I believe that the Lord has a word for you today because he gave me a word and we don't keep it to ourselves. We share it. Uh, We're going to look at, uh, we're going to kind of build on pastor's teaching from last week. Who was here last week? And who remembers what was taught? Infidelity. There's another word for that. Adultery. Yes. And um, the children are here, but we're going to be cool about that. We're going to build on that because we're going to speak about somebody in the Bible who had a problem with it. And we're going to look at how God sometimes pictures himself as one of the most, if you could imagine, the most comfy, cozy place you could possibly be. And that is we're going to talk about how God pictures himself that way, that he is that mother hen that's got his wing over us, protective and sheltering us. We're going to be his baby chicks today. So if everybody's ready to just get cozy and comfy and next to the mommy hen, we're going to talk about what it means to stay under the wings. And then we're going to talk about what it means to move out from under the safety and shelter of those wings, which is what King David did. And we're going to talk about what the consequences were of that. So we'll start with just a tiny little video. When we think of our home or our house in the world, we think of our house or our apartment at We talk about our permanent address and permanent residence, and it feels like a stable place with durable walls, and, you know, it sustains us. But in the spirit realm, we know that from a heavenly perspective, the houses that we live in are not going to endure. They're not eternal. One day they're going to rust and rot and decay like all things of the world. And the only really, truly eternal home that we have and can look forward to is in the presence of God. And that's a beautiful place to be. And so point one, if you're writing down my points, and the title that I've given this message today is Under His Wings. Under His Wings. And point one is God is our eternal dwelling place. Isn't that beautiful? It tells us that God is our dwelling place. Like he's our house. He's our home. And Moses says it again in uh, Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is a dwelling place. So he's found many interesting and creative ways through the mouths of the prophets to describe himself as a place that's a dwelling place. Like he calls himself a fortress in Psalm 71, 3. For you are my rock and my fortress. He calls himself a strong tower. In Proverbs 18:10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. He calls himself a hiding place. Uh, you are my hiding place. Psalm 32:7. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. But there's one psalm in particular, Psalm 91, that when we read it, the dwelling place that God is describing seems to take on the qualities of a bird. So we're going to have um, Sister Bridget read Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4. 
So what are pinions? Now, my dad taught me because he was raised in the Depression that when you eat a chicken bone, you eat every single morsel of meat off that bone. So you, some of you probably are the same way. You know when you eat that chicken wing, there's that little piece that comes out on the elbow there, and then the rest of the wing goes out, and there's these long flight feathers on that bird. Not when you're eating it, but before he died, or she. <laughs> feathers are the pinions. Those are the pinions, the flight feathers of the bird. And so it says here, um, well, it, it actually mentions in the shadow of the Almighty. You have to remember that these words were written in a part of the world where the sun beats down with enormous heat. And to find a shady place could be a matter of life and death. It certainly is a very important shelter to have a shadow to hide under. And can you imagine... Uh, being under the wing of a bird. We see this picture in a few different places. Now, Psalm 91 was not written by King David, but David wrote, re, uh, wrote the rest of these, which I'm going to read to you, these tiny little pieces from the Psalms. 64, 61.4, let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Psalm 17.8, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36, 7, how precious is your loving kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And Psalm 63, 7, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. So this is an imagery that's really showing up quite a bit in the Old Testament. Malachi said, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And remember the book of Ruth. Well, Ruth was from Moab, but she decided to take refuge with Israel because she fell in love with the God of Israel. And Boaz commended her for that, and he basically said to her, May the Lord reward your work and your full wages be from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. And by the way, that's what you all did. Because I think I'm probably the only Jew in the house today. You're the Gentiles. Like Ruth, you're the Moabites. I'm the Naomi, and you're the Ruth. The Naomi got discouraged with her God, didn't believe in him so much anymore, felt that he had only trouble for her. But the Ruths, they loved the God of Israel, right? Ruth loved the God of Israel, and she sought refuge under the shadow of his wings. So you all are Ruths who are seeking refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, even Jesus used this imagery when he came into Jerusalem for Passover, the last Passover where he's going to head to the cross. He looks at the people. Now, remember, this was Passover season, so it was probably filled with people. Many, many people from the nation Israel and even others were gathered in that city. And what does he say to them? He says he wants to be that hen. Jesus himself describing himself as a hen, wanting to gather his chicks. And he wants to gather you. What is it about a hen that would cause Jesus himself to make that comparison? Well, Imagine that you are under the shadow of a bird's wing. How big does that bird have to be? That's a big bird. He covers you. 
He covers all of us. So he's big. But also, I've been in places where I've seen the big birds. They are preying on the littler birds. Have you ever seen that? I actually happened to be at a beach in Oregon. I went on a walk one morning. Jerry was still asleep. I went out on the beach, and I happened to, I was horrified. Here comes a beautiful eagle, and I'm going, oh, what a beautiful eagle. Well, he comes down, and he grabs this seagull, and he just eats it. And I was stunned. There's a predator and prey relationship between a big bird and a little bird, but not this bird. He's not preying on us. He's protecting us from prey. He's our protector. How many of you have, have um, been taken under someone's wing? Maybe a coach or a teacher or a pastor. Yeah, that person took me under their wing. That, that, and, or maybe you're the one that took someone under your wing. You mentored them. You cared for them. You showed them some concern and some consideration. Maybe at work somebody took you under their wing so that you could learn stuff and not get in trouble or not do things wrongly and waste time and learning. Someone took you under their wing. Anybody have that experience? It's a relationship of caring, a relationship of tenderness and concern and trust as well. When someone takes you under their wing, it means you can trust them. If you're under the shadow of a bird's wing, what are you experiencing? You're experiencing care and tenderness from someone who's trustworthy, who's bigger than you, who knows more than you. This hen that's sheltering her chicks, the one we saw there, let's talk about some of the things she's providing for those chicks. She's providing shelter from the elements. If it's blazing sun or if it's frost, whatever that conditions are in the outside world, under her wing is probably a very just perfect temperature for the chick, right? Just perfect. Meaning that the Lord has something for you under his wing that's just the perfect temperature. It's not going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be cozy and comfortable. The wing of the hand is providing a refuge, a protection from danger and distress. You don't have to worry about being in danger. That hen is that strong tower we talked about. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Well, she's got a better vantage point. She can poke her head up. Chicks are way down here on the ground. She can keep alert and see through the grass if there's a snake coming or a rat something that would be a danger to her chicks. She's a strong tower. She's a fortress. Nobody's going to get past her. Don't you know she's going to give her life before she allows that rat or that raccoon or that cat to get to her chicks? And don't you know that we have a Savior who was willing to give his life so that we wouldn't have to suffer death? She's a hiding place. When I first saw the video, maybe you have the same experience. I didn't realize there were chicks under there. She was hiding them. So any potential attacker couldn't see where they were. Let's talk about the fellowship that takes place under those wings. That's not just one chick under there. She's got a whole bunch of chicks. She's got a brood. And the Lord has a brood, too. It's called the body of Christ. It's called us. 
whether we want to or not, whether we're comfortable with one another or not, whether we like being around other people and putting up with their this and their that or not. We are thrown together and we're expected to get along. Now, how do you suppose that hen would act if some of her chicks started beating up on each other and scrapping and tussling? She'd probably peck them on the head and tell them to cut it out, right? And we're supposed to get along. There's fellowship under those wings. There's nurturing under those wings. Everything is perfect for our growth. The temperature, the food provided, the shelter, it's all so that we can grow. And she's a rock. She's always home. That particular home, she never goes out. She is the home. She's always home. That's the way it is with God. If he's our house, he's always home. And finally, let's talk a little bit about the intimacy of that relationship. When you are thrown against the bosom of your mother. Now, we know that hens are not mammals, so they don't suckle. But in a human life, when you see a mom suckling her baby, she's forming a bond that's going to last that child's life. Have you seen of these experiments or you know, awful situations where they see maybe a monkey that's completely isolated. No one touches the monkey. This is true with children, too. If children are not touched, if they're not spoken to, if they're not sunk to and read to, if they're isolated, those scars from that isolation will impact, maybe damage his whole life. Isn't that right? Children need... That touch, they need to be hugged and loved and suckled and held. So what's happening under the wing of the hen is the chicks are in very close contact, not only with one another, but they're right against the bosom of the mother. And the bosom of the mother, we know that the bosom is something that even the Lord values. When Lazarus died in the parable, well, we don't know that it's a parable, actually. It might actually be a true story of uh, Lazarus who died outside the gates of the rich man, he goes to heaven and he's in the bosom of Abraham. That's a way of saying he's in the most precious and close place that he can be to God, the bosom of Abraham. And even in that last Passover, when Jesus is with his disciples, there's one of them who's particularly beloved, who's leaning against his breast. That bosom, that place, that intimacy There's something special about that place. Not only can you hear that mother hen clucking with contentment and that makes you content. Or she's alarmed and she's shrieking and that makes you alarmed. But there's a sound of her heartbeat. And you hear her heartbeat and you know that she's alive there next to you. So what does it mean to hear the heartbeat of God? We talk as though we're the chicks under the wing of the Lord and we're hearing the heartbeat of God. Where do you hear the heartbeat of God? You hear the heartbeat of God in his word because in his word he shares very openly. He doesn't withhold from us. He tells us with clarity and with transparency what grieves him, what causes him to rejoice, what makes him pleased with us, What makes him disappointed in us? We know everything we need to know about the heart of God. 
And we can hear his heartbeat in the words of the book. I work with a fellow by the name of Pastor Miles. And Miles uh, goes to Israel three times a year. Now, as you may know, Israel can be a very dangerous place to be. Particularly right now, we might have the beginnings of a new intifada. And there's attacks going on in Jerusalem. There's knife attacks. There's terrorist bombings. There are um, rock throwing and missile attacks. There's really quite a bit of violence to be experienced in that country. But Miles feels that it is God's will that he should go. And so he's fond of saying the safest place to be is in the will of God. So he doesn't worry about going to Israel because he feels he's in God's will and going there. So that's point two. The safest place to be is in the will of God. If you're in the will of God, you're under the protective wing of God. You're in the shelter of the shadow of his wings. You have everything you need to live. You have all your needs cared for. You are protected. You are loved. You are cared for. But what about, what about, and this is often you and me, that little chick that just thinks he already knows it all, and he's big enough, and he doesn't need any help, and he just decides, well, this is, this is really boring over here. I want to go out and adventure. I want to see what's out there. What happens to that chick? Who goes out? He's exposed. Thank you, Brother Ronnie. He's exposed. And that's what happens to us when we come out from under the protective wing of being in the will of God. We are exposed. We are exposed. And this is what brings us back to Pastor's word from last week about um, what Jesus was teaching. If we are not in the will of God... We have stepped out of the safety zone, and there will be consequences for that. Sin has consequences. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at King David, and we're going to try and learn from his mistakes. King David was a man after God's own heart. God loved David. God anointed him and appointed him as king. There couldn't have been a closer relationship between man and God as there was between David and God. Uh, let's have Bridget read Psalm 57.1. This is a, um, I'll read that for you. It's a michtam of David, meaning that David wrote this, and a michtam means it's an atonement psalm. So 57.1. He's talking about how Saul, the king, that the people wanted appointed, was trying to kill him for years, trying to kill him. And David was fleeing. And in fact, this psalm says, a michtam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. So this psalm was written specifically when David was fleeing from Saul. He was continually under threat of death because Saul was continually seeking after him. And let's hear how lovingly The Lord speaks to King David. That is favor. David had favor with God. Unfortunately, soon after that was written, 
David succumbed to temptation. And his life was never the same after that. So, Bridget, if you would read Second Samuel 11, 1 and 2. You remember laughing? The devil made me do it. Well, sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's just ourselves. I made me do it. What was he doing staying there when all his men were at battle? Shouldn't have been there. What was he doing walking around on the roof, kind of peeping at somebody bathing? What was she doing exposing herself like that? It, the whole scene was just wrong, wrong, wrong. And it led to trouble. It led to trouble. So he falls in love with this beautiful woman. He gets her pregnant. He takes her. And uh, when he realizes that she's pregnant, he's not going to get away with this. He's going to have to come up with a plan. So he tries to get her husband, Uriah, who's one of his soldiers, to come back and sleep with her so that it can look like it was It was him that got her pregnant, but he won't sleep with her. So that plan is foiled. So he decides he just needs to kill Uriah. Can we just say sin leads to sin? Yes, sin leads to sin. And this is how David stepped out from those protective wings. He just, in Psalm 51, he talked about how... In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. Oh, my goodness. He stepped out from under that shadow, didn't he? And that's a dangerous place to be. This brings us to point three. Forgiveness is available, but doesn't prevent consequences. Forgiveness is available. But we still have to take consequences for our actions. So what was the result for David? Second Samuel 12. This is a long reading. Before Bridget reads it, I'd like to just tell you that, uh, you know, he might have gotten away with this. But God spoke to the prophet Nathan. And told Nathan what had happened. God himself found Nathan. And Nathan was brave enough to confront David. And he confronted David. And he spoke the Lord's words to David. And that's what we're going to hear now. We're going to hear the mouth of Nathan speaking the words of God to David. Let's look at the things that the Lord considered to be consequences of David's behavior. He said, the, Lord shall, uh, the sword shall never depart from your house. Well, in 2 Samuel 13, 28 and 29, we see indeed that David's son, Absalom, from one mother, killed his other son, Amnon, from another mother. And, and I can't help but think, although it's not necessarily, this is me guessing now, but the reason that Absalom killed Amnon was because Amnon raped Absalom's sister Tamar. So Absalom and Tamar were sister and brother by the same mother. Amnon was a son of a different mother. Amnon raped Tamar. So it made me wonder, well, I wonder if David, when he took Bathsheba, 
Uriah's wife. Maybe he forced her. Maybe there was not a consensual situation there because even rape was then in his house. So there was rape and then there was murder because then Absalom killed Amnon. Not only that, we see the Lord saying that um, your, your wives will be taken in broad daylight. That plays out in Second Samuel 16, verses 21 and 22, when Absalom actually goes and has relations with David's concubines, but not privately. He does it on the roof for all of Israel to see. He does it in public. So this is such a humiliation that comes to David from this. Such a humiliation. And finally, um, the Lord said, your child will surely die. That took place in 2 Samuel 12:18a. The child that came from that union, that first union between Bathsheba and David, that child died. Those were consequences. But yet you noticed, didn't you, when Bridget was reading that Nathan said to, to David, um, after David repented, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. I'm, I, have, I have sinned. He repented. He confessed his sin. And the Lord did say to him, the Lord has taken away your sin. You shall not die. This is what Jesus does for us. The wages of sin is death. If we don't appropriate and take that payment for sin that was paid by another then we're going to have to pay it ourselves. Jesus has paid that for us. We don't have to pay that price. And so it was in the mercy shown to David in this instant that David would not allow him to die. He did take away his sin, and yet he had to pay the consequences. Um, I'll get personal with you. Um, I I had an abortion When I was 25, many of you know that already. The Lord forgave me. I repented. I confessed for taking the life of my child. He he forgave me. I accepted and received the forgiveness of God. And yet, the damage that was done, the, the scarring in my uterus, resulted in two miscarriages one of which was a tubal pregnancy, which, as you may know, can be deadly. So I was forgiven. I made right with God, but yet I had to take the consequences of my action, right? I wasn't spared the consequences. I'll get even more personal. We, we were a couple of wild, you know, kids who didn't know any better, having sex without being married and um, we got pregnant before we were married well the Lord blessed our family we had two beautiful children and in spite of the damage done to my uterus I had two beautiful children and I have eight grandchildren and I'm forgiven and I'm loved by God and all that good stuff right but what were the consequences When my daughter turned 19, what did she go out and do? What did she go out and do? She went and got pregnant out of wedlock. That's the consequences of your actions. 
And that's why you don't, you know, when somebody gets saved in jail or in prison, they don't just say, oh, you're saved. You can go now. (laughs) Right? Wouldn't that be convenient? Wouldn't that be convenient? Yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved, judge. You can just commute my sentence now. I'm going home. No, 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 no. You still gotta, you still gotta do your time, don't you? So if you wonder about your own life, what are you having to put up with this kind of trouble and that kind of trouble? It's very likely it's connected to some sin that's in your past or in your present. Maybe you're still harboring sin even now. I know a person who has just nothing but trouble with relationships, you know, and goes from one to the next and they all come crashing down. And um, don't you know they're, you know, they're shacking up or whatever you call it. They're, they're sleeping together. And I say, well, you know, have you ever thought that maybe you're immuning yourself from God's blessings with your behavior? How in the world is God supposed to bless that? How in the world is God supposed to bless that? So, it's so precious to be under that sheltering wing of the, the shadow of the wing of the Lord. It's a precious place to be. It's a place of nurturing and it's a place of safety. But the Lord is still going to cause us to grow by experiencing the consequences of our behaviors. Because what happens to children when you don't teach them the consequences of their behavior? They don't learn anything, do they? And neither do we. So if you're wondering why life is tough or why you keep running into this or that, maybe the Lord's trying to teach you something. I can tell you that every kind of trouble, every kind of problem, no matter what it is, is connected to sin in some way. It is connected to sin in some way. So, those are my three points. I'm going to review them. God is our eternal dwelling place. The safest place to be is in the will of God. And forgiveness is available, but does not prevent consequences. So, the invitation is always there. Always extended. Whether you're one of his chicks already, you're one of his elect, You've given your life to him, but yet, little stubborn chick that you are, you just keep on wanting to go out there and manage things on your own instead of coming under his protection, instead of staying in his will. Or maybe you're the one who who really isn't his chick at all yet. You don't even know what it means to be a child of God. Either way, the invitation stands to come under that protective wing. Come under the shadow of the wings of the Lord. Come. Come. Let him be the one that fights your battles like that mother hen. She's not going to let that rat get near her babies. She will die first. And we have someone who died for us. Who was willing. Loved us that much. Greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for his friend. We are 
amongst other things. We are his chicks. We are his babies, his children. We are also his friend. And he laid down his life for us. And that's where we want to be, is letting him do the things that he's equipped to do so that we don't have to do them. Because if I had to pay the price for my sin, I would be crushed. I would be crushed. The invitation is there to lean like a disciple against the breast and the bosom of the Lord, to listen for his heartbeat in the word of God, to surrender yourself and say, yes, I am about as strong as a baby chick. That's about how much strength I really do have. That's about how much wisdom I really do have. I'd rather go with God's wisdom and God's strength and let him fight my battles. The invitation is there to come under the wings, to lay your heart against his breast, to read the word, to know what his heart is, to know what makes him rejoice and what makes him grieve. And you learn that in the word of God. And now the job is only very simple, but just simply to respond to that invitation. Come, come under the protection. And I'm going to end today by reading you Uh, almost in its entirety, uh, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. This is the psalm that David wrote after Nathan confronted him about what he did with, with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Let's listen to what it says and take it to heart today. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And this is so important here. He says, against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's all say that together. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let's do it together. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. 
O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Powerful, Sister Michelle. It's amazing what you can get from a minute, 12 second video of a chick. <laughs> a hand with its chicks under its feathers. How that point was so developed. And when we consider God and when we go from under his covering, we expose ourselves. And you never grow up. You never grow up enough to take care of yourself. If you go up from under God's covering, you are always vulnerable. You're always at risk. I don't care how old you are in the Lord. If you've been, you've been saved 75 years, you're vulnerable. You can make decisions if you want, but if they're outside of God's will, there are consequences. Thank you for the word, Sister Michelle. It would be a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. When you consider you have no power and God has all power, that's not really a match. And yet people challenge God with their sin and say, I'll be fine standing before God on my own. The Bible says, confess your sins. Forsake your sins. God stands ready ready and willing to forgive. Let's bow our heads. We thank you for the message today, Lord, and just the straightforwardness of it. And when we look at the word of God, we look at our past, all of us as, as like sheep have gone astray. Lord, when we think about how you brought us to yourself, you brought us to yourself because you not only have the ability to save, but you are our salvation. (laughs) May we not partner with sin, but may we learn to partner with you. Sin's costs are too high. The price is. We couldn't pay, so you paid it for us. So today we pray that we will forsake that which dishonors you. For we don't know when you will call us to account. The moment you do, it may be too late to say, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, now is the time to do what the Lord says. And so we thank you for bringing this message to us today. And we thank you for providing the opportunity for your people. And then those who don't know you, those who are living outside of God's will, they're eternally lost unless they hear the word of God and respond. When we think about eternity, it is too long to be separated from God.
So we pray today, right now, that you will continue to prick the hearts of those that are unsaved. Continue to prick the hearts of those that are, are but living in sin. Help us to quickly forsake our sin so that we will be under the blessings of the Almighty God. And we honor you today and we bless you today. We give you the glory. And we thank you right now. Now as we leave this place today, may this message cling to us. When we turn around, may it be right there. When we go into our own private places, may it be right there. And so may we embrace all that you said. Protect us as we leave, Lord. Keep us under your care, under your protection. As we travel on the highway, to and from, from Lord, we are praying for your, your protection. Bless the service this afternoon. We do love you and we give you the glory. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.